Hey guys, this is Clint, one of the hosts of the show. For anyone who is joining us for the first time on this show, we take different aspects of secular culture and try to show how Christ reveals himself to us within that. You can find us on Twitter at OnTheAdventure2. Our website is thechristinculture.com. And on Facebook and YouTube, you can find us at The Christ and Culture. This week, we are joined by the one and only Taylor Schroll of Forte Catholic and Ablaze Ministries. Let's get started. back to the Christ and Culture. This is Gordon. And this is Clint. And this week we are joined by one of our good friends, a missionary, a speaker, a literally do everything kind of guy. We have Taylor Stroll here on the show. Taylor, you want to say hi? Hey, how are you? So I didn't realize this, Taylor, but you guys at Ablaze, that's where you're a missionary, you guys are having like a fundraiser right now, right? Yeah, like yesterday and today. So (laughs) probably by the time this airs, it will be over. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but if people want to still uh, contribute, can they can they still do that somehow? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So at blaze.us slash give is uh, a way for you can you can support the the ministry we're doing and specifically we're trying to really pour into our retreats and that was what this fundraiser was for. So cool. Uh, we'll put a link to that in the show notes too. But you want to tell the people who you are, what you do, that kind of stuff. What is <laughs> I, a blaze? I, I would love to. I've never had somebody <laughs> say like, "Hey." Tell people to give you money and then tell and, them who you yeah, are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, to mix it up. Yeah, exactly. So uh, earn your keep around here, Taylor. That's what I <laughs> to do. So if people are familiar with Focus, very popular ministry for college students. It's a missionary organization that ministers to college students. Well, we do essentially the same thing, but for junior high and high school. Like, And then obviously Gordon works with Adore and they're very similar to us as well. Uh, So we are all full-time missionaries, and we partner with pastors to be their youth ministry team. Uh, We work in community, so we don't get we don't get burnt out. We take people on who, in like every facet of where they are in ministry, from people who have never done it before and have a passion for it to people who have been doing it forever. Uh, The people who have been doing it forever train the young ones to be the next generation of youth ministers. And then, as we all know, youth ministry doesn't pay all that great. So we're missionaries, so we're able to fundraise and support whatever we need to survive and, and thrive and, like, for me to provide for my family. And this is the only way that I was able to stay in ministry. So yay, missionary life. Yeah, no, that's awesome. We we actually met, I, I think you were bringing one of your one of your youth groups to the Pines the first time we met. That was a couple of years ago. But yeah, I just I loved what you, you were doing, what you were talking about, and uh, we kind of hit it off right from there. But... Uh, a lot of you guys, if you're our patrons, are going to recognize Taylor's voice. We did uh, a, a little bit of a, a video for, for our patrons a couple weeks ago back at uh, the Encounter Conference, which you just mentioned before is where uh, we were hanging out with Gordon and Lizzie, too. So two months ago. It was two months ago already? It feels Holy like it's God. been like two days. It's all been <laughs> a blur. Yeah. Seriously. So, Taylor, like you know, one of the things we do on this show is we like to talk about the stuff that we are taking in, the stuff that is shaping us as part of our culture. So we'll go ahead, we'll have Gordon start us off, but let's go ahead and talk about what media we're taking in right now. Super unprepared for this. Um, I, I guess the newest thing is I just started watching last night the the new Netflix show called Living With Yourself with Paul Rudd, where there's two of him. And 
There's two of him? Yeah, like he goes to to the spa, quote unquote. You said air quotes, you guys can't see me. And he want they want to they say they're gonna give him better life, and then next thing you know, he wakes up buried in the ground and goes to his house and there's another better version of himself there. And uh they're trying to figure out what to do about it. Well, so right now he's trippy. using this other him to fill out areas in his life that he doesn't want to do that the other guy excels at like work and stuff while he like wreaks all the benefits that sounds awesome like how can (laughs) i sign up for that (laughs) fifty thousand dollars i feel like that's a black mirror episode too or something similar yeah it's it's weird yeah that's crazy okay i like like paul rudd a lot so i wanted to check it out he has a lot of very weird roles anything else you got taken in right now i don't uh i did have something but i don't remember I'm reading something and I don't know what. So clearly it's something. clearly it's really, really good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's changing his life. Yeah. Seriously. So that's it. That's all I'm taking in. Something that okay. I'm reading in that show. Great. Taylor, what do you got? What's what's shaping you right now? I have been reading through the Thrawn series uh for Star Wars. Okay. So it's it's this guy who came out in Star he was first introduced like in like the the really, really old, like the old canon stuff now, like the stuff that's mm-hmm. not canon anymore. And they brought him back in Rebels, and then he was such a popular villain that they had the same guy who wrote the books like in the that that aren't canon anymore. And they were like, write a new trilogy about him. He's back. For He's real? the best. Oh, that's uh, so, so cool. I am in book three, and I started book one like three weeks ago. <laughs> so Holy I'm just cow. I'm just chewing these books up. So they're they're pretty awesome. So when does he come into Rebels? Because I'm I'm only like almost through season two. Right, right. So, yeah, it's funny because I, I I talked to you about it and you were like, I think I might be able to watch all this. I was like, oh, my gosh, dude, do you <laughs> yeah, not work? Like, what's I was going trying on? so hard. I was like, if I wasn't at work, I was like just binging this, trying to get as much as I could. But yeah, it was kind of ridiculous. You have another Paul Rudd that's doing all of your work. Exactly. So you yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all about the clone life. Uh, he comes in uh, right at the beginning of season three. So you're like almost there. Okay. So he's he's kind of the big bad for season three and four of Rebels, which I watched a couple of years ago. It's like I think it's the best storytelling Star Wars has ever done, which is crazy because it's a cartoon and obviously not as popular as the movies. But Thrawn is just such an intriguing villain because he's just he's brilliant and he like he has no emotion whatsoever, which is uh, a huge contrast to most of the villains in Star Wars because right. they're all anger. They're all emotion. And he is just like nothing he's like a robot he's not a robot but he acts like it so yeah so i'm reading those books now and just getting all this background information about them and i cannot put it down like i'm amazed i'm sitting here talking to you and not listening to that book right now like that's <laughs> <laughs> well we appreciate taking the break it, is he sith then if he doesn't have emotions because the whole like anger leads to hate which leads to revenge which leads to like the dark side that's like the path they talk about in all the movies so is he is he sith or is he something else no, he's a he works he just works in the empire. He becomes a a grand admiral, which people like might recognize like in the movies like uh, General Tarkin is yeah. a grand admiral. So he's he's one of the like premier people like way up at the top of the empire. He's a military strategist and he has Emperor Palpatine's ear. Uh so like when it comes to killing Jedi, it's him and Vader, but when it comes to leading the the military against the rebels, it's Tarkin and it's Thrawn. Like they're like the two main people that have the Emperor's ear there. Oh, that's awesome. I'd never even heard of him. So that's that's cool. 
I don't know if uh, if I ever told you, but we actually had he was actually one of my theology teachers back in the day. Wrote a book on Star Wars and Catholicism. And oh, so sweet. We had him on the show like I don't know was that two years ago already, Gordon almost. But yeah, so you should check that book out. I'll send a link to you. But yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's pretty cool. It goes through all that stuff for the books, the cartoons, and the the movies and everything too. Because I think a lot of people will watch the movies and never go watch the cartoons because they're childish or read the books because they're nerdy. But <laughs> the, all, all that stuff is included in, in the canon, like you were saying. So it's, it's kind of hard to get the full picture. Well, I am childish and nerdy, but that shouldn't dissuade you <laughs> from going to watch these, these television shows. They're, they're just phenomenally written. They're, they're yes. just like, it's like all that background stuff that you always like, you go to watch a star Wars movie and you're like, that was awesome. It was two hours and I want more. And then you can go sit and watch these shows that are, you know, multiple, multiple seasons. The books are just – most of them are written very well. They have great authors for them. Like I've only been bored reading one. I think I'm like 15 in to the new canon. So, wow. yeah, they're just great great storytellers. Yeah, and it also kind of reveals some of the stuff about the new movies. We had uh, – what was the one? Solo, where we have yeah. Darth Maul coming back. And everyone was like, no, that doesn't make sense. He died. And they're like, eh, but if you paid attention to the canon <laughs> – He's been back for nine years. <laughs> <laughs> he dies like three times and comes back every time with more robotic parts, basically. Sounds okay. like somebody else we know. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Okay, so you, you've been reading that, reading all those books. Anything else you've been taking in recently? Well, so here's the irony is at the same time, like for work, I always – like I have an Audible subscription for work. And okay. I'm, I'm allowed to do one for like – just for fun and for like enjoyment and that's the star Wars book. And then I have to do one for like leadership or business or ministry or, or faith or like something to be like growing personally. Right. So mm -hmm. at the same time as I'm reading these, these Thrawn books, uh, which is like, he is a tremendous, tremendous leader. Like he can look at you right now. And just by the way you're sitting and holding yourself and how you're talking, he knows everything going on in your brain. Like he's a master manipulator, master leader. Wow. And he's able to use that. Now contrast that with the other book I'm reading for work. It's called The Barnabas Way, which is all about Christian leadership. So I'm watching the I'm reading these two books about leadership essentially, <laughs> where one is he's a tremendous leader, but he's not a great person. And on the other side, we have Barnabas, who in like in Acts is a, a quiet leader, a kind of in the back leader, but because of his influence, we got like Paul was brought into the Christian community and then Mark was affirmed, even though Paul didn't like him all that much. So because of Barnabas and his kind of silent working in the back, we got one third of the new Testament from Paul and the gospel of Mark. Yeah. So we've got, got a little bit of balance there, a little bit of balance. I had to bring balance to my own force by so reading one bad and one good. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, a whole part of the show is like being able to find good stuff within those random books that don't seem like they're Christian too. So hopefully you're finding something about leadership in there. Cool. Yeah, sure. I'm and reading everything about you right now, all of your body language, and I know everything that you're thinking. Thanks. <laughs> it's a little creepy. Turn your video off. Yeah. I was like, Gordon, you're safe. Cause your video's <laughs> off. <laughs> Just dissecting the photo of me. Yeah. Oh, like, nice. like, even like not sh wanting to show me your face <laughs> says something about you. I'm also reading into your intentions. So. <laughs> cool. Any, anything else? You got the two books there. Um, I just watched El Camino, the yeah. the Breaking Bad movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was interesting. Like, it was. Have y'all watched it yet? Gordon loved it. 
because Breaking Bad's like my favorite TV show ever. So okay, so how did how did you feel about it? I thought it was good because it was essentially I feel like the only loose end to the show. If they were, to, I was satisfied with the show, but if they were to do something, it was the only a loose end. But the way I told Lizzie when we watched it was like it just felt like two more episodes, right? Like, not a movie, movie like movie feel like action, all this stuff. It just felt like two more kind of middle of the season episodes to a Breaking Bad season. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I felt the same way. It was like it was cool to see how his story ended. But at the same time, it wasn't like a super exciting movie. And, and I hadn't thought about it like in the in the in the words of this is two more episodes. And it is kind of how it felt. So, yeah, it was it was OK. Um, yeah, I mean, it's Vince Gilligan and a lot of this, a lot of the episodes during the seasons aren't crazy exciting. Some of them are just like, wow, that was a long, dull hour. But it's like kind of crucial. And I'm sure it's very attention to detail. So if I went back, I'm sure you would, you know, we could find like a bunch of stuff in there. But yeah, it was just kind of, it was good. If that isn't a great description of the mass, I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of dull and I didn't get much out of it. But I'm sure if I went back to that hour, there was something in there good for me. <laughs> nice. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Oh man, we just compared Breaking Bad to the Mass. That's awesome. <laughs> what we do. What we're Welcome to the show. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I haven't really taken in all that much, but I got a couple good ones. So, Gordon, I mentioned this to you, I think, a couple weeks ago. The musical Firebringer by Star Kid. I've been going through that. Taylor, I don't know if you've seen the video on, it's like all over Twitter and Facebook, where it's like the girl in like a cave woman outfit singing. I don't want to go to work today. I don't want to do the work today. You haven't seen that. Okay. I have not. It just sounds uh, weird if you haven't seen it. Yeah. It just. <laughs> but please do that dance for me again. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> it's for patrons only. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. So it, it's a musical about cave people and it went viral for this one song. Cause everyone took it and is like, yeah, I don't want to go to work today. And so they just took that song, but it's made by a group called Star Kid Theater, and they just make a bunch of like ridiculous musicals, like a very Potter musical or a Star Wars musical and stuff like that. So hilarious, pretty inappropriate. Don't watch it with your kids, but very, very good. And then I started reading the book, The Signs of Life by Scott Hahn. It basically just goes through like Catholicism and shows like biblical roots of everything that, that we use and do. And then... Catholic Answers podcast, started getting back into all them too, because my apologetics practice has been out of whack lately. And then... Like you've like, spoken heresy at your youth group or what? No, 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 no. <laughs> just, I, at least I hope not. Someone call me out if I did. Just I, I used to listen to Catholic Answers like every day. They had their Catholic Answers live two hours every day, and I would listen to that and just like be constantly studying stuff, and I just haven't been doing any of that recently. So... I started dropping some of my podcasts that are more discussion-based and going back into uh, listening. Well, that's offensive. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, we're discussion-based too, so yeah. just, yeah, switching back into some of the Catholic Answer stuff for a little bit, so. And then the big one, like you said, I have been binging the show that we're going to be talking about today, which is Star Wars Rebels, the animated cartoon, like you said, fantastic. Do you want to give us kind of just like a... I have not seen it, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gordon has not seen... Well, you've seen the movies, you said, and The Clone Wars. Yes. Okay. I, that's all I've seen. I didn't realize, just because 
I don't know. I don't know if I just missed it on Netflix or I don't really watch TV too often. So I didn't realize there was other ones they started as well. Yeah, there's a there's a third one too, isn't there? Uh, there is. Yeah, Resistance. It's not as good. Okay. okay. That that one is like what everybody thought the other two cartoons were like more childish, more for like Star Wars for kids. That's okay. like that's what Resistance is. Clone Wars and Rebels was definitely for adults in cartoon form. Nice. I mean, not not not, a, not that it had like not not adult as in like kids couldn't watch it. Like my son sat there and he enjoyed it because of the fighting, but he doesn't get the deeper nuances of all the story that they're telling. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. Look, Star Resistance Wars is still canon though, right? It is. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, where does where does Rebels take place chronologically? It's between three and four. So after after Order sixty six, where all the Jedi except for a very small few are killed by their stormtroopers, this Rebels takes place in there's like a twenty to thirty year span in between three and four. Yeah. And like it's yeah it starts uh, yeah like pr- pretty close to that middle. And it essentially goes r- almost right up until four starts. So okay. they're so they're a, the same time as Solo. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it, it's like this. It's interesting because like in in seven we hear like oh we're we're the or is it eight we're the spark that is going to build that the rebellion is going to be built on. That's essentially what the this group of rebels are for the rebellion in four. Okay. So, yeah, they're this kind of ragtag team. And over the course of the show, it grows into like there's this burgeoning rebellion. And then we start to be we start to see people who we know. It's like, oh, I know that person from four. Like I, like, I, like like you said, I, I didn't know. Clint, like a lot of the things that are very impactful about the show are spoilery. <laughs> so like yeah, Gordon yeah. hadn't seen it. And I'm sure people listening haven't seen it. So like how spoily are we going today? Well, we, we can warn people right now, like. We are going to spoil some of the stuff, but we'll probably hit on like major themes and then, I don't know, like some quotes or like just stuff that stands out. So we don't have to give away everything, but we're probably going to give away uh, some pretty essential stuff in here. Yeah, the part that made me cry is like a spoiler for the second to last episode. So sorry, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that'll be a spoiler even for me, but that's that's fine. That's what you get for not watching it for the, what, four years it's been out? Right, yeah. Whatever. And and, and how dare you not watch all four seasons in the seven days since we talked about this? (laughs) (laughs) I tried so hard. I tried. Yeah, I I got sick last night. Otherwise, I was going to actually try and finish the entire season too. So I was just, just short. Oh, man. the Dude. The season finale of season two is the best hour of Star Wars, hands down, including movies, including books, including TV shows. It is hands down the best single hour of Star Wars storytelling. It's, uh, dude, it's gonna be great for you. Uh, I'm not, I'm not spoiling that one for you. Okay, I'm cool, just, cool, cool. I'm just so, not. So this is a series essentially building from the uh, prequel trilogy, building the Rebel Alliance that begins the main trilogy. Right. Yeah. Yeah, And you definitely see that, especially in the second season that I'm in right now, you really see characters from the original trilogy and characters from the prequels kind of coming together uh, in different episodes and just slowly over time building that rebellion that Taylor was talking about before. So do you want to give just a couple like tidbits of the storyline, Taylor, of like especially, I guess, the, the first couple of seasons, because that's what I'm mostly familiar with. But just what is going on here? Other than just building the, the Empire, what's our overall concept, theme? 
Yeah, so it's essentially it's dealing with like right at the beginning, it's dealing with loss, and they like they have lost the the good guys, the the, the light side, the rebellion, the Jedi. They've all lost at the end of three, and like the people who we know survived because of the the original trilogy, like obviously old Ben, like Ben Ben Kenobi survives. Yoda survives. A young young man named Anakin Skywalker survives, but he ends up being somebody else. And then from the show, pretty close to the beginning, my favorite single, hands down, favorite character in Star Wars, Ahsoka Tano. So- like she, like I crush on her so hard, and she's an alien, and it's really weird for me. And my <laughs> wife knows that I crush on her so hard. She's phenomenal, dude. She's like one of the greatest characters I've ever seen. She was in Clone Wars. She was mm-hmm. Anakin Skywalker's Padawan. Yeah. And you know how like one of the one of the uh, critiques of the third film, Revenge of the Sith, was that it seemed like Anakin just turned very quickly, like he turned from the light to the dark pretty quickly. Yeah. Clone Wars happens during that time and it shows kind of it gives more nuance and time given to that. So we see like one of the big things that leads him to become bad is that the the Jedi accuse Ahsoka of something that she didn't do. Ahsoka chooses she gets kicked out of the order. They yeah. realize they're wrong. They apologize to her. And she's like, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. And then so mm-hmm. she leaves. And then like three episodes later is when like he becomes bad. So like her leaving was a huge part of it. But yeah. one person that we didn't know from the movies, we did kind of from the comics, but Kanan Jarrus was the last Padawan. Like that was his moniker. He was the, the final Padawan right before Order 66 happened and he survived. But he hadn't finished his training. So he's the adult. He's we find out there's a moment like right when you know how like in the gospel we hear like it says pretty close to the beginning, like, oh, Jesus is going to, like and then they thought to kill him like in like chapter five, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. 20, 20 more chapters. So there's this super impactful moment. You and I were talking about it how like you're watching it for the first time and you're not tearing up. I'm watching it for the second time. And there are multiple times in season one where I'm tearing up because there's a moment you know where he lights his lightsaber and that's the moment like that's Jesus flipping over the tables. That is Jesus preaching something the Pharisees don't like. That's the moment that essentially he gives his, he, he ends up giving his life because so like the moment he turns on his lightsaber to save his friends is the moment that ultimately kills him Yeah, because he's hunted for for four seasons so right and he reveals his his true identity as one of the only surviving jedi and because of that they have these i'm sure you're probably gonna get into it but the inquisitors whose sole purpose in life is to come out and hunt the remaining jedi so now he has a target on his back because he saved his friends right yeah so we have we have kanan who is a Jedi, like he's kind of like the, you're, he would fit in very well with all the Jedi that you know. He's very, very strong in the force, very good fighter, but he didn't finish his training. And then what they meet, this young man, he's like this ragtag group on this planet called Lothal, which we haven't been introduced to, but it's where most of Rebels takes place. And they are heavily under Empire control. So this rebellion is just four, four people in a droid on Lothal trying to just help Lothal. They have no idea at this point that they're part of a larger rebellion. That doesn't happen for many seasons. But they meet this young man who's very naturally strong in the Force. It's kind of like when we meet Rey in Seven, where it's like she has no idea she's a Jedi. She has no idea she's Force-sensitive. And then all of a sudden she's beating Kylo Ren in fights. You know, like she's extremely strong in the Force, and that's how Ezra is. And so one of the themes, a very long-winded way to 
answer your two questions of setting up the story and yeah. like one of the big themes. It's so interesting for me to watch Kanan try to be the leader and the and the trainer and the master for Ezra when he didn't finish his training and he feels insufficient to be able to to lead and guide Ezra and Ezra has no idea what the Jedi are like he's all new to this so it's interesting to watch his leadership and watch him fail and watch him keep trying yeah that that actually brings up one of the the quotes dude I took so many notes on this show I literally have 15 pages just from the first oh my uh, gosh <laughs> yeah season and a half so like it's notes for every single episode yeah, from yeah. season one to season two I want so, those. <laughs> <laughs> well, so in, in episode three or four, I think it's four because my numbers are off, but there's actually a conversation that goes along with what you're saying here. So it's between Kanan and Ezra, and it's right after Kanan, I guess, tries to tell Ezra that he can't be his teacher anymore. So he says, I just wanted you to have the best teacher. And Ezra replies, I don't want the best teacher. I want you. Mm. And then K Kanan says, Ezra, I'm not going to try to teach you anymore. If all I do is try, then I don't believe that I can succeed. I may fail, and you may fail, but there is no try. And so we have that callback to the Yoda, do or do not, there is no try. But I think there's something in here as well of like the teacher who is willing to fail. And I think all three of us working in ministry, like we we live that day in and day out. But I wonder if that's something we, we can kind of talk on for a second too, since you brought it up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Gordon, you go. Just yeah. so you can have something to say. You, we brought up ministry. You know that, even though you have no idea what Rebels is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you mentioned, and they know that you know I'm a missionary with a door. And before I started doing what I'm doing now, I got a degree in marketing. I don't think our listeners know that. I went to school, wanted to go into fashion, and then kind of graduated and was like, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this thing. Cause I just felt this call and just one thing led to another. And I, <laughs> like Clint was saying earlier, I kind of got all that I sort of know now from podcasts mostly and just reading. I did not go to school for anything. I didn't do that. And so to this day, to up to this moment right now, I constantly feel ill-equipped all the time. Like uh, it's just, it's scary, especially now that I'm working towards getting married. And then shortly after that, you know, if God wills it, having a family, it's like that same fear of like, am I qualified to raise kids? Am I qualified to be the one to, because I'm the goal for me in ministry. I think most people is to lead lead kids or lead teens to holiness, lead, lead them try to be closer to Christ and the kingdom and to think, okay, I didn't get proper education for this so am i qualified in doing that or am i just leading them down you know the the wide the wide path rather than the straight and narrow and it's a struggle i think going constantly back and forth and then you know and then you have those times when you're sick and i don't show up for like youth group one night and then chris will send me a video and it's the kids like where's gordon we want gordon here and you're like <laughs> yeah okay i'm doing something i don't know but i think it's just basing off the quote that I'm looking at. That's just kind of where, where I feel on that stance. Yeah, I, I think that's that's right on. There's that I don't know who said it. Taylor, maybe you can help me out. But there's that kind of cheesy quote that uh, God doesn't call the qualified; He qualifies the called. And so, rather than thinking we need to be perfect before we can serve, we we need to realize like we're all imperfect, and that's why we're called to do certain things so that He can He can act through us better. There's something I always tell my my core members when they're afraid to join core team. 
I remind them like the the kids don't need someone who is perfect. They need someone who is loving first and foremost. So you don't need to know all the answers. You don't need to be perfect in every way. They just need to see that you are someone that, that loves them. And I think that's the more powerful testimony most of the time. I think this yeah. Is, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> I was gonna say this reminds me a lot of the new trilogy in the movies where you're getting another picture now of Luke Skywalker who has been a teacher for two different people and failed. And then was like, I'm just going to go live alone on the Island with these weird creature people. And (laughs) nuns, they're definitely nuns. (laughs) (laughs) And then you have, what's her face? Can you describe her? The main character of Ray. It's early for me. Uh, yeah. And Ray, who comes and like, hey, I want to be taught. And he's like, no, I don't do that anymore because I'm a terrible teacher. And then the whole conversation I'm thinking of with Yoda and him, who he's like, that's the that's the hardest part about being a, a teacher is that like you're going to see people fail and you're also going to see them like surpass you. And that's mm. just that's just a part of it. And then he lights a tree on fire. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting. I, I hadn't I hadn't made the connection between Kanan and Luke. Where where Luke didn't finish his training either. Like he trained for like hours with Yoda and then left <laughs> to go with his friends. Ben died pretty early. I mean, like he didn't finish his training either. So like that, and both of them, both Kanan and Luke, both like like you were saying, Clint, like the do or do not, there is no try. He he always heard that and he applied it because he trusted Yoda, but he never understood it. So then right. when he tried to teach it. He's like, I, I don't know what this means. And I don't even think I agree with it. <laughs> <You know>? like, <laughs> yeah. Like taking these principles of things that we know from what we have been taught. But ultimately, like for Kanan, for Luke and like for you, Gordon, as uh, and all the stuff that you were sharing, it's like ultimately Kanan and Luke were good men. People were attracted to good men like they wanted to follow good men. They wanted to learn from good men, from people who had done this be- uh, before. And so like. Luke was not ready to train Kylo. He was not ready to train all of the, the people there that Kylo killed. He was not ready, in a different sense, to train Rey. Kanan wasn't ready to be one of the only Jedi left. He wasn't ready to train to train Ezra. Like, you're not ready to be a husband and father because no one is ever ready to be a husband and father, right? Like, <laughs> it's it's like, I don't know how to father. Well, neither do I, and I've been doing it for six years. You know, like, we've it's it's one of those things that, like, we don't know how to do the the practicals and the like, how am I going to respond as a father in this situation? How am I going to respond as a husband in this situation? We have no idea until we get into that situation. But like Kanan, like Luke, like if we are a good man, we're going to make mistakes. But at the same time, we're going to make do more good than we do than we do harm or, the, or than we do make mistakes. And it's one of those things that like just like with with Ezra and Kanan. Kanan made a mistake and he was pushing Ezra away because he made a mistake and he didn't feel qualified. And yet Ezra's sitting there like, no, I want you. Like, I don't want anybody else. I want you because I know you care about me. That's what you were saying, Clint. And it's like yeah. in the same way for, for all of us as, as men, as ministers, as, as a husband and wife or a husband and father, <laughs> I, I will not, I will never be a wife, but as a <laughs> husband and father, it's like, Gordon, like you're going to, to, to mess up with Lizzie. But she's still she's going to be like Ezra and she's gonna be like, I still want you. Uh, you're going to mess up with your kids, but like they, they'll still love and want you because you'll be their father. And, and it's this like it's this like freeing thing of like 
it's it all comes back to like that being that good man. So for us in ministry, for us it, as as husbands, fathers, boyfriends, ministers, like whatever whatever the case may be, are we growing in being a good man? Are we growing in being a good Catholic man? Like growing in our faith, growing in our virtue, growing in all of these things. Those are the things that are going to prepare us for all the the practicals of the things we haven't done yet and like where we feel in, in insufficient or we don't know enough like like you said about possibly in ministry or as a husband or as a father um it's pretty freeing to to realize that i'm curious based on what we're talking about now what are the contrasts between the canon is that right canon yeah canon's leadership and the book you're reading on leadership with Barnabas. Ooh, that's good i'd only compared it to the the actual opposite of Thrawn. So, right, right, right. um, I don't know. I'll have to think about it. Y'all keep <laughs> y'all, y'all vamp for a second and I'll think about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know Thrawn other than what you've just told me here, but Kanan definitely seems to be someone who is much more outgoing and willing to vocalize his opinion. And especially as we see him kind of falling into that role as teacher, he's a lot more willing to make those mistakes where it sounds like Thrawn is much more reserved and kind of holds back everything. It's kind of like the, I, I don't know, have you seen Hamilton, Taylor? I have not. I've only seen his picture in Gears of War 5. <laughs> okay. It's totally. <laughs> okay. Well, so it's kind of the idea that like in politics, you never you never reveal your, your hand, you know? You keep everything in so no one knows what you have to work with. Whereas that's, that's very dividing. That's very unrelational. And I think... Kanan, on the other hand, he focuses on the passion, on the relationship, on the love, rather than the the secrecy for the power, if that makes sense. So he he actually he lays himself down on the line, I think. Yeah, for sure. Okay, I have my answer. I pulled up my 12 pages of notes on the <laughs> Barnabas way. That's a great question, Gordon. Uh, it's very rarely that I get stumped. Or can't lie my way through it. So the, the five things that, that the Barnabas Way book says a good leader has is integrity, like the opposite of what you were just saying, Clint. Like mm-hmm. what you see and what you hear is, is what I have, right? Confidence in your competence. So like that you, you, are, you know that you, you are good at what you're, what you're asked to do. You know? So it's like if somebody would ask me, hey, can you lead worship from, for this retreat? Absolutely. I've been doing that for over a decade. Like, hey – can you draw me a really pretty picture? No, no, I can't. Like I, I can barely write my name legibly. Like that's not where I have confidence in my competence in one of those things and not in the other. Transparency, like to where, again, kind of what you were saying. Like, look, I'm going to be open and honest with you. There's nothing that I'm really holding back from you. And then consistency, where you are the same all the time. So let's look at Thrawn. Thrawn, uh, he's extremely competent, extremely confident in his. Comp- he's good at at, at at everything he touches. His integrity, he's, he's the same person in front of people and behind closed doors. Like, that's one of the interesting things about him. Like, working on his ship in the Empire is one of the best. Everybody wants to work there because they're rewarded for doing a good job. There's no backstabbing. There's none of this politicking that, mm. that like, you're talking about in, like, our world politics, but, like, this whole thing, like, oh, I'm going I'm, – I know something about you, Clint, so I can take you down so that right. I can get a higher position. There's none of that, so he actually is a pretty integrous guy in that way. Um, he's very, very consistent. Like he's going to do the same thing all the time. But where it comes in is the transparency and the manipulation. Like that's what makes him not a, a great leader, but not a great Christian leader, right? right? So we look at we look at Canaan. Like he he is who he is. He has the integrity. Like he's the same person in battle and in front of Ezra as he is behind Ezra. 
he's ex- he, he is somewhat confident in his competence. Like he's he knows that he's a good Jedi, but he does not think that he's a good trainer, that he's a good right. master, right? Yeah. But he's not he's very transparent about that. Like in that conversation you're talking about, he's like, Ezra, I can't do this. Like I'm not strong enough to do this. But he's extremely consistent and he he shows that he loves uh, Ezra and he has proven that by how he treats Ezra, but also by how he treats and has protected his rebel group for a decade. So like, it's interesting Like he is imperfect, but Ezra still looks to him to say like, I no, I, I want you, even if you're not confident at this moment. And, and then he actually like that, that play back and forth, like whenever one is confident, the other isn't, and they're able to kind of help each other through that. So great question, Gordon. No problem. That's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Hiding behind a picture in a very small <laughs> circle. <laughs> one thing I, I literally just put together is that Ezra and Canaan are both biblical names. Canaan as more of a location. So I don't know if there's much to that, but I thought that was kind of cool too. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I'll have to pray about that. <laughs> <laughs> I just think this is cool because I don't think – in almost three years now of recording, I don't think we really talked about like leadership that much. And so I just think it's a really fun discussion. Yeah. Uh, well, one of the other themes you brought up, Taylor, as kind of the central theme, especially for the beginning, is the idea of loss. And I think that's huge all the way through the shows that I'm still still on now in season two. So what if we can talk about that a little bit? The show, towards the beginning, it's either the first or second episode there's a quote from Obi-Wan where he sends a message to everyone else and it kind of gets everyone caught up on where this story takes place. So we've already kind of talked about that, but so this is one of those holographic messages to basically all Jedi. So he introduces himself. He says, this is master Obi-Wan Kenobi. I regret to inform you that both our Jedi order and the Republic have fallen with the dark shadow of the empire rising to take their place. This message is a warning and a reminder for any surviving Jedi. Trust in the Force. Do not return to the Temple. That time has passed and our future is uncertain. We will be challenged. Our trust, our faith, our friendships, but we must persevere. And in time, a new hope will emerge. Oh, in such for- a good line! A new hope! Right? <laughs> I've heard of that movie! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he just says, may the Force be with you always. And my first thought with this is it sounds so much like Paul. In his writings. I mean, we have the temple has been destroyed. Our old way of living has been destroyed. Do not return to the temple. Do not return to the temple laws. Like we have this new thing. There is this darkness that is overshadowing it, but we will persevere. Believe in the, the force, like the Holy Spirit to guide us and cling to, he says, trust, faith, and friendships. And so we have like this, this faith, we have this trust, we have this community that we're surrounding ourselves with. So I wonder if we can kind of talk on that, too, and, and the idea of, of loss there. Oh, boy. That's a great comparison because it's like, okay, what is the church now? It's like, yeah. the, the, I was like, literally thinking that when you set up the premise for the beginning of the show. <laughs> I was like, how does this portray to us now and like where we're at in the state of the church? And then what's the moment of where we're at now to the moment that makes you cry in this series all the time? Right. <laughs> it's like, uh, what... Yeah, like where where are we? It's like we're in a similar place. It's like, look, Christendom used to reign, and then even after like Catholic Christendom fell, like Christian Christianity was still like the primary force, like especially in in our country, and that has that has fallen. Like we are like there is a new regime in place, um, and we are now the the minority, and it's 
there's a lot of this and it's like even stuff like huge attacks against our faith. So like, even, like we all deal with struggles and, and things locally, which is interesting to think about. Like Lothal was a local place. They didn't actually understand that there was a bigger rebellion happening, that there was a bigger, um, that, that, that goodness was happening yeah. elsewhere. And then also, but they, there were some huge travesties going on throughout the rest of the empire as well. So it's like we look at last summer with all the scandals breaking. We can all look locally and find things wrong and things not going great in our local church. And yet here's, uh, you know, Bishop Barron, our Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's like, you know, <laughs> re- remain faithful. Remain. I love that comparison. <laughs> He's our old Ben. I love it so much. Um, Bear Ben. Bishop Bear Ben. Um, so. It, this, this has been a huge struggle for me because, like, there were some things happening in our local church, like Milo Thal, where it was like, look, there are some things going on that are really, really tough that are, like, hurting my faith, like, because of how the church is acting and the church is the body of Christ and even some of his vicars have been hurting me and people around me. This has become very difficult. And then it got even harder because two months later – we had this big widespread, like, things are not going well. We had the, the, the scandal in Pittsburgh and the scandals all across the nation. And, and then yet, even in the midst of those trials, so, like, that's the moment that Obi-Wan would have sent that message, right? Like, everything, everything has, has fallen away, remain in these things. And It's and Bishop yet, Aaron's letter to a suffering church. Exactly. I mean, if, if you're exactly. going to make that comparison, yeah. Right. And, and, but it, it's interesting. I had an experience this weekend where I was almost brought to tears, I was in Iowa. Um, so I was in another place. Do you like Iowa? That's where I'm from. Is it really? Yeah, where were you at? <laughs> I was I was in the Diocese of Sioux City, like, but uh, also like by Des Moines. Okay. So like all that area. We drove opposite, a lot. Yeah, by, outside of the state. All that state is is corn and soy. Like that's all, that's all it is. <laughs> and, and, uh, pigs, and pigs. And, and pigs. Oh, <laughs> you didn't have to call me that on your show. So Ooh, I, um, okay. so like in the same way for the rebellion, like they had some victories there locally and we've had some victories here locally in ministry stuff, even in the midst of still some very difficult trials. But at the same time, like I was there and I saw these great priests and I saw a group of phenomenal priests and they have a phenomenal Bishop. And it was like, it was healing to know that there are also great things happening elsewhere, which is very similar for this young ragtag group of rebels where they're fighting and they have to deal with this loss and they have a few victories, but then they're still losing and their friends are dying and they've already dealt with this loss. And yet when they find out there's a larger rebellion, it, it sparks them. Like it, it brings them new life where they're like, this is, we're part of something bigger. There are good things happening elsewhere. There are, there are some still good things happening here. So like finding small victories there. And then ultimately for us as Christians, it's like, we know where our victory resides it was it was a long time ago and it's also in the future like it's this it's this interesting thing like we can look back and we also look forward and that helps us in these times where like hope seems lacking and then hopefully we can be the spark that that ignites this hope again yeah i think the one thing that's probably hard and when comp- making this comparison is you know we don't we don't want to say we should co- like form a rebellion against what's kind of happened in the sense of like we don't want to rebel against the church if you, that makes sense. Yeah, we're, we're rebelling against the culture, right? Yeah. Right. So, like, yeah, the 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 Pope is not a Sith. That's not what I was <laughs> implying. Uh, although he may look a little bit like Palpatine. That's that's beside the point. That's beside the point. <laughs> no, he's great. I love I love Pope Francis. 
And I like, yeah. Yeah, we're more like rebelling against what is not of Christ in the culture. Exactly. Yeah. So, hey, look, that's the name of your show. I know, right? It's, it's perfect. <laughs> Christ so, is not in culture. Christ is not in culture. <laughs> <laughs> we need to fix that. You're trying to fix that. Good job, guys. Yeah, so pay attention only to what we say and nothing else, essentially, is what we're saying. So, very Sith of you. <laughs> it's very absolute. So one of the things you were kind of talking about is like winning those small victories and going back to early on in the first season before they knew that they were part of a bigger rebellion. They focus, like you said, almost entirely on Lothal, and we're just doing really small things in there. And one of the big points that I've seen through everything I've seen so far, I guess, is the charity of the rebels. Every episode almost starts off with, okay, we have this rescue mission, or we have this group of people who are refugees, or this group of people who are out of food and they need supplies. And the entire episode is based off of, okay, how do we get around the Empire to help these people? And so I think that kind of goes into what you're talking about, where how do we love amidst all of the chaos, amidst all the suffering, amidst all the loss? What are the small ways that we can win those battles? And I think in a way, they're pretty similar to the ones that the rebels are dealing with. You know, like literally, like Jesus said, like Pope Francis has been telling us to do, to go out and to serve. Like we have refugee crises right now in, in the U.S. We have people who need food. We have you know, like supplies, whatever it is, we don't have to go fight anyone to be able to deliver that, which means it should be even easier for us to, to go out and serve. But uh, what, what do you guys think about that? Is is that kind of what you're getting at as far as like those small battles or is it something completely different? No, that's it. That's it. Like, I mean, I was, I was thinking more like the ministry that, that I'm involved in, that you guys are involved in, like with youth ministry, like having those small victories there, but like, sure. like the other forms of, of ministry that other people are called to do, then other people are are focused on primarily like the refugee crisis and 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 uh, helping the poor and those types of things. But there, there's an interesting thing when it talks about like that that they even address small victories like right there when when Thrawn gets into the picture. It's a, he essentially says something. It's like, look, let them have their small victories. Let them like uh, like they don't see like the evil side doesn't see that these small victories of one person coming to Christ at your youth group or helping one refugee or uh, helping one person who's fallen away get back on track and whatever that means. Like essentially the, the, the evil side doesn't see that as a big victory. So they kind of let them have it. Right. And, but, but we, we all know how this story ends. Like we know what happens in, in a new hope. We know what happens in the return of the Jedi. Like we know what happens the evil loses like e- evil loses even though they didn't appreciate these small victories so when it comes to like what can i control like what what am i actually doing like professionally i am a youth minister so like what small victories can i get and then ultimately like satan doesn't see the ultimate defeat that he's already <laughs> that he's already lost right he, he's just kind of mad about it you know and so it is those small victories that mean so much to us and they're great. They're they're great to 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 get. I guess that was that was very eloquent. Thanks, Taylor. <laughs> no, I, I think that's a, an awesome comparison because the idea of knowing the outcome, even well, even watching this show, like even though we know what happens, like you said in the original trilogy, we we know what the outcome is. We know who wins. There are like in those small moments where we kind of like forget that, or at least I did watching that. Like, oh no, like they're actually in trouble. What's going to happen to these guys? Yeah, and that so was think, just Rogue One. <laughs> Yeah, oh no, yeah. they're all dead. <laughs> right. Seriously. Um, but just like 
in those moments, remembering that we want to win those small victories. And even in Rogue One, even though everyone died, their 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 sacrifice was a victory right. in, in what they accomplished for, for the greater scheme of things. So being able to see the big picture of, hey, we win in the end, um, but also those, those small victories, I like that. One other kind of quote that I, I really thought was good and important for us to talk about. So in episode six of season one, there's this conversation between Sabine, who I don't think we've even talked about yet, but she is a um, Mandalorian. Mandalorian. Yeah. yeah. So she's a Mandalorian, which if you are not a Star Wars nerd like the rest of us, Mandalorians are like warrior people and the bounty hunters. So Boba Fett were Mandalorians and all the clones technically too. So she's one of them. She's like a teenager, super angsty, and she's talking to Kanan and Hera at one point because she's upset that they are withholding some information from her. And so Kanan says, it's Hera's job to find jobs that create problems for the Empire and profit for us. If she trusts this contact, I trust the contact. No questions asked. And Sabine's response is, at the Imperial Academy, they didn't want me to ask questions either. And that didn't work for me. That's why I ended up here. And so we have this kind of connection of just, just trust us, you don't need the answers. And they do have a good reason for it in, in the overall all kind of scheme of things. But this made me think about all the times in ministry where people ask questions and some ministers will be like, yeah, you don't need to know the answer. Just trust. Just have faith. So I, I was hoping we got to talk about that, too. Yeah, that works. I think that's a very interesting comparison The because uh, not knowing something, asking a question and not getting an answer in the Imperial Academy, who are the bad guys, like not great people, yeah. it's harder to trust somewhere that is not good, right? Right. And that proves over and over again that, that they often didn't make the right decision. Uh, what's interesting for her is like having that experience and then coming to the good side, like great people who are great leaders, she's asked to do the same thing that she was previously, so it was hard for her. But ultimately, two things. Hera was right, and... Sabine stays like she doesn't leave this time. So yeah. there's this element of of trust and earning trust. It's like mm -hmm. there's a part of me that trusts you because you're the leader. So like in church stuff, like there's a part of like I innately trust a priest because that's how I was raised. That's how the church teaches. Like they are our spiritual fathers at the same time that they also have to earn my trust at, 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 on some level. Right. Right. To where it's like I'm still going to ask my questions. So there's this play and it's difficult. It's very hard. This like idea of obedience and I'm like knowing my place, right? Like mm -hmm. I'm not a priest. I'm not a cleric. So I need to be obedient. I've been trying to grow in my obedience because it's been very difficult in this past year because I've had some, some leadership that has been very difficult to be obedient to and to want to stick around for like Sabine was going with okay. or dealing with. And so there's this part of obedience and there's also this like – it's it's hard because I'm sometimes it's like deciding it's easier to trust when our leaders are trustworthy, right? So whenever they're not, it gets very a lot more difficult, and that's a hard place to be. It's something that we have to deal with all the time in ministry, especially being youth ministers, because usually we're the lowest person on the totem pole uh, when it comes to like church hierarchy, you know? For sure. So it, it's hard, and I it's it's still difficult professionally, but even when it's difficult professionally, it has been an area of growth for me over the last year in growing in my obedience 
and like doing that with people like leaders that I disagree with has actually been helpful for my personal spiritual life of like my obedience to what God wants me to do. So right. it's hard. It's difficult. There's, I don't think there's really any way around it. And that's why life is difficult. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking of, before you said you still ask questions. I almost wanted to disagree with you. I thought you were saying like Hera, you said Hera was right. And she said like, yeah, don't worry about it. Just have faith. Right. Is that what she, is that, am I quoting that right? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. right. And I'm like, that's true. There were moments we need to just have faith, but I don't know. I'm huge with like asking questions and Clint knows this. It's just really big not to like take something for face value or if you're just told this thing that you just should just believe that or trust it, but search for truth because you're going to find it in questions. And sometimes you won't get an answer. And there is this having faith and obedience. That's a good, a great word for that. And asking questions is of the same dance, I believe. But I think this kind of goes back to what you were saying before with the small victories, what I like about this show, it sounds like is in this loss, in this brokenness, it's not something where they're waiting necessarily for the people above them, the people of authority to react and do something to fix this thing, but they're taking kind of moments into their own hands and, and searching for small victories. And I think like where we are now in the state of the church, people can be like, what can I do? And it's like, well, you can't do anything major. You're going to have to kind of just like have faith and trust in, in God and in his obedience and even in, in some of the other leadership that, you know, are are doing something to make make strides and changes. But where in your life do you see small moments that you can you can f- jump at for small victories? Like there are things rather than those certain movies that we see where like people are dealt like a bad hand and they're just sitting and waiting in this pain for some some leadership to do something. But it doesn't seem to ever come. It's like, well, sometimes we have to take small things that we can into our own hands and do something because that's probably in this in that moment. That's kind of what God might be calling you to do. It's like, OK, well, I need your help now. You can't just be sitting there and not doing anything. I, I love that you brought obedience into it, uh, both of you guys. I, I think there's like Gordon was saying, there's this play between knowing what requires obedience and what we can still ask freely on and, and not to say that we can't question stuff like, like you're saying, Taylor, but like when it comes to. I love that she is a teenager. She's like stereotypical, like high school teenager in a lot of ways, because that shows a lot of what we see in our high school ministries, I think, too, where we have these teens who just want answers. iGen and our generation, too, is known for like asking a ton of questions and not always getting answers and just told, hey, you need to just believe. And so I think it's important to when it comes to questions on the faith of like, why do we believe this? Those kind of things yeah, we, we need to be able to answer those. We need to be able to offer something. But then there are other things, like you said, within the hierarchy where it's not necessarily life or death or not necessarily the end of the world, where practicing obedience is actually a really, really good virtue in that, where is this actually going to affect that many things? It might make things harder, but being obedient in that is is huge. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like as As y'all are talking, like I'm thinking of two people that are, leaders in my life and and how i respond differently to these two people one like both of them i innately trust one of them has proven that uh, track record that i i will now i trust them so much that i will i will bend over backwards for them like Hera does for the rebels right right there's another leader that has lost my trust like completely lost my trust i only I only can do things out of obedience now, and that's been the difficult one for me. And there's there's a season and a time for that, 
Um, but there's also like, that's not healthy. So like I've actually in the past stepped away from serving with this particular leader and I will not be serving with this particular leader in the near future. Like it's not something that, that is, that is healthy or good. So I think like even looking at these two situations, both us as the people who are below these leaders and like looking at like the people who we are in leadership of, it's like, which one of those are we going to be? And like, we look at, at Canaan and Canaan makes all these different mistakes, but Ezra loves him, trusts him, knows ultimately that he is good. And, and there's that, there's that ultimate respect there. So he's like, and they, they fight and they'll, they'll talk about things and they'll, they'll, they'll be open about things, but they still have like Ezra still has that respect for him. Like the, the great leader that I, that I, that I work with, like I, he and I disagree all the time and I go in and I, and we disagree. And, and a lot, it is privately like just the two of us where like I, because I'm a good soldier, like I'm going to, I'm not going to disagree publicly. Right. But Mm -hmm. like he and I will, will meet, we'll talk about it. Sometimes I share my perspective and he changes course. Sometimes I share my perspective. I feel heard. He still is the leader. He's still going to make his decision. And we walk out of that room with a united decision. Right. Right. So it's those kind of leaders that have gained that X they've, they've gone above the, like, I respect you because you're my boss, or I respect you because you're a cleric, or I respect you because I'm supposed to respect you. You're above me in some way. And then there's those other people like Canaan and Hera are for Sabine, where it's like we have earned that like ultimate trust. It looks like we're over our hour mark anyway. So let's start moving into challenges and then we can continue this conversation for uh, an actual Patreon episode in a little bit. So if you guys want more of this content, make sure you become patrons. We'll be talking about that in a little bit as well. So challenges. Do any of you guys have challenges off, off the get go for anything we've talked about? I mean, I'm going to steal right what Taylor was just talking about right there. Looking at the way that we interact with leadership, either as leaders or as obedient, uh, you said soldiers, just take a look at how, how you're doing that. Are, are you being obedient? Are you being obedient when necessary? Are you still asking questions when necessary and, and voicing your opinion? If you are on the other side of things and you are the leader, are you listening to those who are following you? And are you willing to lay down your life like Hera did for for the rest of the crew? So just kind of take a look at what leadership looks like in your life right now and are you living up to those those expectations do you guys have any other ones i do not nah okay (laughs) i'm gonna throw in one more then going back to those small victories look at how you can win those small victories in whatever your ministry is maybe it is going out and serving food maybe it is bringing supplies to people in need or like helping with refugees. But maybe it is, like Taylor said, just in whatever your ministry is. For us, it's working with the youth and paying attention to those small victories and, and count those as blessings. All right. So with that, shout outs. Do you guys have any shout outs? Sup, mom? Mom. <laughs> At mom on Twitter. I'm just kidding. That's probably the thing. Probably. Gordon, do you have any? Uh, I was just going to shout out Nick Seckford. Yeah, yeah. I think he's going to start trying to help us out in some way that I will leave as a mystery for now. Okay, cool. But do we trust you enough to know that that mystery is a good thing? I don't know. <laughs> There's two types of leaders. There two types are. Of people. Are you Barnabas or the Blue Man Thrawn? <laughs> Tune in next week to find out. <laughs> Cold Stone Thrawn. <laughs> Taylor, do you have any other shout-outs other than Mom? 
Uh, I'd like to shout out to my wife and baby who arrived home about an hour ago and I think are sitting in that room because they know I'm recording. <laughs> hey. Sup, wife. Sup, baby. <laughs> shout out. Thank you. That's love. <laughs> <laughs> sitting in there for an hour. Oh, my gosh. Uh, There's a television in there. They're okay. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Cool, cool. Okay, no so bathroom, I, no. Oh, yeah, that that's is difficult for one of them. One of them is wearing a diaper. <laughs> <laughs> Always has their own bathroom. Right. I have... Two shout outs. So I was on Taylor, one of your co-hosts, actually, John Blevins. We, we've had him on the show before. Uh, I was on his stream a couple of weeks ago and he, I don't know how it came up in, in the, the chat that I, I had a podcast and some people were asking about it. So I want to give a shout out to Miss Ruby and Riddle Nerd because they're both following us now and, and checking us out. So uh, thank you guys for joining into the show. I know uh, those people on social media. Yeah. Hey. Me too. They're super cool. Okay. So with that, so we talked about at the beginning how you are a part of Ablaze, and we didn't even mention your podcast, Forte Catholic, the loudest podcast in all of Catholic podcasting. Uh, yes. So that is you, the best description. <laughs> it says nothing about it being good or like beneficial to listen to. It's just loud. It's wow. just loud. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it is good. It is good. But do you want to go ahead and let people know where they can find you on, on both of those places? Sure. Yeah. So uh, everything's at ForteCatholic.com, F-O-R-T-E Catholic. All of the social links are there. Uh, who I am, uh, beautiful pictures of me uh, that uh, have been highly doctored and uh, more information about like I, I travel the country, speak and lead worship. So if you have a church, hint, hint, wink, wink, Clint, and you want <laughs> me to come speak or lead worship, um, all of that is there. And yeah, the, the podcast is all about making Catholicism fun again, so trying to be some entertainment in the middle of your week, and then hopefully slapping you with some kind of gospel message when you're least expecting it. ForteCatholic.com. Yeah. Sing! <laughs> I don't have my soundboard, and I don't know what to do with myself. Yeah, that's all good. <laughs> no, so, solid show. Was it on y'all's show where um, Father Sharapa came up with the blowing up the moon, or was that somewhere else? It was. He did not come up with it. But it's where we—it's where he first had the public conversation. He had okay. Come up with it on Twitter. It was a Twitter thing, and that episode because it was like the timing was perfect. Like he started it, and then he just happened to be my co-host that week. Right. That is still to this day the number one most downloaded, most listened to podcast <laughs> I've ever done in my entire life. And it's a priest like vehemently arguing about blowing up the moon. And if that's not what my show is, I don't know what is. Like the <laughs> fact that that's the most popular episode is hilarious to me. It's, it's blown up beyond just him though, too. Like a lot of the people moon? are on board with this. <laughs> it's still there. It's still there. That's no moon. <laughs> oh, it's... there you go. <laughs> well, with that, guys, we're about to have a little mini session. Where we're going to continue this conversation for our patrons. So for all of you who are patrons, make sure you check that out. And the rest of y'all, We'll see you soon. Taylor, thanks for joining us this week, and hopefully we'll be seeing you again soon. You're so beautiful. Gordon, uh, you, you didn't move your face one, one time, and I truly Short appreciate it. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> thanks, guys. Thank you guys so much for joining us this week on the show. We had a blast with Taylor talking about all this stuff. So much so that we kept the conversation going for a whole nother interview where we talk about Taylor, 
more of Star Wars Rebels and the new trailer that was released for Star Wars Episode Nine. And if you guys want access to the rest of this interview, like we said in the show, all you need to do is become a patron. You can find out how in our show notes. Otherwise, you can also go to patreon.com backslash the Christ in culture. And for a few bucks a month, you guys can get access to this interview and more. Don't forget, if you want to follow us, you can find us on Twitter at OnTheAdventure2. We are now putting all of our episodes on YouTube, so you can also go listen to our stuff there as well as any other videos we put up. That's at The Christ and Culture. Find us at our website, thechristandculture.com, and on Facebook, which is just The Christ and Culture. Thanks again for joining us on the adventure, and we'll see you guys next week.